Do you find it difficult to keep the flames of love burning in your marriage? Do daily responsibilities, jobs, kids, and everything in between have you and your spouse running in different directions? Are you too tired to even think about nurturing your marriage and just wish you could take a really long nap? Well, then we're so glad you're joining us for today's episode. I'm your host, Katie Morgan, and welcome to Parenting with Ginger Hubbard. Ginger is the best-selling author of Don't Make Me Count to Three, Wise Words for Moms, and I Can't Believe You Just Said That. She speaks at women's events, parenting conferences, and homeschool conventions across the country. You can check out her parenting resources and find out when she's speaking in or near your area at gingerhubbard.com. If you find this podcast encouraging and helpful, would you prayerfully consider making a one-time donation this month in celebration of our two-year anniversary? Just go to gingerhubbard.com support to give any amount. And friends, another way you can help support our mission is to purchase Ginger's resources directly from her website instead of from other super convenient online retailers. And stay tuned until the end of this episode to receive a discount code on your purchase at gingerhubbard.com. Listeners, we are so thankful for the opportunity to encourage you each week, and we so appreciate your support. This enables us to further our mission, which is to help parents reach the hearts of their children for the glory of God. Long before my husband and I had kids of our own, I knew I wanted to be a homeschooling mom. But when my oldest was ready to start kindergarten, I had just had our third child, who we affectionately referred to as the baby monster. Homeschooling didn't seem possible with a kindergartner, a toddler, and a baby monster. I was so thankful that a friend introduced me to BJU Press. Their all-in-one curriculum resources gave me the confidence to homeschool at a time when it didn't seem possible. Their video lessons that, by the way, are engaging and taught by experienced teachers, those videos were a time and a sanity saver for me. Best of all, their K-5 through grade 12 all-in-one curriculum options are rooted in a solid biblical worldview. To learn more about BJU Press, go to bjupresshomeschool.com and see what they have to offer. You'll find their parent-led resources as well as independent learning materials at bjupresshomeschool.com. And tell them the baby monster sent you. Well, hey there, Ginger. I'm excited about today's topic because this is a little bit different for us. Yes, it is. We love to show up each week to encourage and equip you guys in the high calling of parenting, but let's be honest, good parenting starts with good marriages, and good marriages don't just happen. They're the result of intentionality. Once children start coming along, finding time to nurture the marriage relationship becomes harder and harder, but it's absolutely necessary. So with Valentine's Day just around the corner, what better time to talk about how we can keep the flames of love burning? But before we offer a few fun ideas, most of which came in from our listeners, I just have to ask this question. When did Valentine's Day become about our kids? Hmm. What's up with getting gifts for our kids on a day that's set aside for celebrating romantic love? I just don't get it. I also don't get spouses giving gifts to one another on Mother's Day or Father's Day. Ronnie gave me <laughs> a gift on Mother's Day the first year we were married, and I said, what are you doing? I ain't your mama. <laughs> I'm telling <laughs> you, this whole mama? gift giving thing is, is, I don't know, it's just gotten completely out of control. Okay, so I have never and will never turn down any gift, but especially a Mother's Day gift from anybody, gender. I'd be happy if my dog gave me a Mother's Day <laughs> gift, to be honest with you. Uh, you know, especially since he's the most difficult child we have right now. <laughs> but, Ginger, 
It is the husband's job to make sure the children get something for their mom on Mother's Day, especially when they're too young to do so themselves. So if the kids are old enough to do it themselves, great. But I think it's a dad's job to make sure that occasion doesn't get overlooked in the same way that it's a mom's job to make sure a dad feels special on Father's Day. Yeah, I mean, I get parents helping their children acknowledge and celebrate mom and dad on those special days, just not spouses giving each other gifts. But then again, I guess it is a way for spouses to show appreciation for one another as parents. So y'all just ignore me. I'm just being a holiday Scrooge. (laughs) (laughs) I'll take all the gifts I can get. Okay. Um, I won't go off on a tangent, though, about Christians who complain about non-religious holidays because it's not my business what they choose to celebrate or not. But If our society sets aside a day to honor motherhood and fatherhood, then why in the world wouldn't we want to celebrate that in the most God-honoring way possible? That seems like cutting off your nose to spite your face if you refuse to celebrate something so good because Hallmark makes a bunch of money on those occasions. But Ginger, I'm with you on the Valentine's Day craziness. I don't get into that with my kids. They love making Valentine's for each other and for us, but I haven't made it a point to focus on them on that particular day. As a matter of fact, I try to make it a point to leave the house, get a babysitter, and focus on my husband that day. I can't say that always happens, but that is what I like to do. (laughs) Well, and that's my point, Katie. I don't have a problem with celebrating non-religious holidays, but let's at least acknowledge Valentine's Day for what it is. If we're married, it's an opportunity to celebrate and reflect on our love for one another as husband and wife, rather than making it all about the kids. There's enough that's all about the kids. So let's have this day for us. Valentine's Day is is just a wonderful occasion for children to witness mom and dad prioritizing their love for one another, which is going to give them a sense of family security. Right. Now, listeners, while all of this holiday discussion might seem like a tangent, it does conveniently tie in today with our topic of nurturing our marriages. If a wife or a husband feels unappreciated in their role as a parent, then those issues will spill over into the marriage as well. If we don't take the time or the effort to celebrate our spouses and the various roles that they fulfill in our family, Well, we shouldn't be surprised if we find ourselves just going through the motions in our marriages or worse, at odds with our spouse. So the first idea we want to share about nurturing our marriages came in as a quick tip. And this is from Ayumi in Hawaii. And she says this. Hello, ladies. I'd like to share our easy tip that we often use for date night. As parents of four young children, it is difficult to find time to get away just the two of us. And by the time we'd like to go out, I'm exhausted. So we decided to have our date night at home after our kids go to bed. On that day, we'd just make a simple meal that the kids love, then send them to bed early. An easy meal to clean is a must. Then we'd order our date night meal and have them delivered to our home and have them at the table with my favorite tablecloths. This makes our meal a little more special. This is our time set aside and we can just chat or watch our favorite show and no device is allowed. I guess, except the TV. Except the TV. Watching the show. <laughs> uh, she says, I know it's not the most ideal, but this gives me a meal that I don't have to cook and time set aside to spend only with my husband. Mm, that sounds wonderful. Katie, I've heard you share this idea about having date nights at home. And I can't remember if you were just telling me about it or if you shared it on our podcast. Either way, is there anything else that you and Brian do for at-home date nights? And, and please be very careful in how you answer that. <laughs> there might be some little ears around. <laughs> well, Well, I do love Ayumi's idea, and we have actually done that on a few occasions. The most recent one I can think of, we actually had a date at home on our 15-year anniversary, 
because it was right at the peak of COVID lockdowns. Mm. Brian had already bought us tickets to New York City to go see a show and to stay in a really nice hotel. But instead, we had to get takeout. And then he handed me a manila folder with all the details of the trip that got canceled. And Ginger, he said, I still want credit for this. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like Brian. Yes, it does. So we haven't really made a habit of doing an at-home date night, unfortunately. But I have a really close friend who has nine kids. And that is her go-to weekly date with her husband. So one of them puts the kids to bed while one gets takeout and they eat at like 11 p.m somewhere where they won't be interrupted, usually I think outside on their patio. Mm. And when you have nearly a dozen kids, you have to get really creative with time together. And I just love that they do that on a regular basis. And I love that their kids know that they do that on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. It's good for kids to see that. Yes. Um, I really like the idea of this, but I also see how it might dissolve into something really frustrating if the kids were constantly interrupting or needing something urgent as all children are prone to do at bedtime. Like one more sip of juice. Yes, they're going to (laughs) actually die if they don't have a sip of water. So this is just one of the reasons I prefer to leave the house, if at all possible. And there have been times where it wasn't possible, but if we Mm -hmm. can, I like to leave. Uh, Ginger, what's something you and Ronnie like to do together? Well, I'll share some of the things that Ronnie and I like to do together in a few minutes. But first, I'd like to read a couple of more ideas that came in from our listeners. This one came in from Natasha in Nebraska, who writes this. We got popsicle sticks from the Dollar Tree and divided them. My husband filled out half, and I filled out half, writing down different ideas that each of us wanted to do for date night. We put them all in a jar, then draw one at the beginning of each week to determine where we go and what we do for date night. Natasha, that is so fun. It is. You know, one thing I really like about this is that it enables you to plan ahead instead of waiting until date night and saying, what do you want to do? I don't know. What do you want to do? (laughs) Great idea, Natasha. Thanks for sending that in. Another one of our listeners, Tony, sent us an email saying that she and her husband enjoy cooking fancy meals and making things together such as pickles and jams and homemade mustard, which I thought was quite interesting. (laughs) I've heard of making pickles and jam, but (laughs) making mustard together, that's a new one for me. But hey, if that's what keeps the flames of love burning... Why not go ahead and mix up some mayonnaise and ketchup while you're at it? I mean, that is the way to Ginger's heart, if we're being honest. Yeah, just a hot dog. Hot dog with some mustard on it. Or That's right. pizza with mayonnaise on it. That's the weirdest thing. It's really not. You just need to okay. try it. All right. Tony also said Chef's Table has a show on cheese. So she recommended making a cheese board and watching the show together. Her last idea was to invite another couple over for game night and have appetizers or desserts while playing a game. And I like that idea, too, because gathering with other couples for fun and fellowship is a great way to nurture marriages, especially when they're all followers of Christ, because then there's the opportunity uh, to spur one another on in faith while you're having a good time together. And that's, that's good. That's good for nurturing marriages to have that spiritual encouragement as couples. I have to say, though, Ginger, our first year of marriage, we went to a friend's house for a date night, and we were playing games with them, and I actually had to call that couple the next day and apologize for my behavior. (laughs) Because you're so competitive. Tad bit. Well, it was a video game that we were playing, which just gets me so amped up, and I was screaming at the TV. Katie. I know. I had to call and apologize. (laughs) I was so young. That was 17 years ago. That was the old you. (laughs) That was the old game. 
All right, so Katie, you ask what Ronnie and I like to do. We actually have a lot in common with Tony and her husband. We love to cook together, and we found that coordinating music is fun uh, to make it themed date nights. A little Mexican music playing while cooking enchiladas or Italian music uh, playing while cooking chicken parmesan. I don't know. It just adds pizzazz and ambiance. At least it does for us, just to the whole experience. I'm sure there are tons of food-related Instagram accounts, but one that I like to follow and love for creating simple meals is called Meal Prep Gram. They feature one-dish meals that are super easy and delicious, and most of their posts and videos are only one minute or less, where they quickly run through the cooking steps and how to plate the meal. And I like that because Wesley, our oldest son, is a chef at a really fancy upscale restaurant in Tennessee, and he is all about presentation, which I've come to really appreciate. Anyway, I love how these videos take you from start to finish, from cooking to plating, and then all the ingredients are listed in the post. So you have your grocery list right there. We'll have Heather put a link in the show notes. But again, you can find this account on Instagram at Meal Prep Graham. She's saying meal, everybody, in case you're curious. That's what am her, I saying? It, that's, that's her meal. Meal prep Meal. Meal. M-E-A-L, meal, <laughs> meal prep, Graham. Uh, but Ginger, I mean, different strokes for different folks here because that is very much not an ideal date night for me. I'm all about takeout, <laughs> disposable dishes. If I'm chopping onions or cleaning dishes after a meal, I am doing it wrong. <laughs> That's how I feel about that. But like you said, though, the point is to find something that works for both of you and enjoy that together. That's right. And we both enjoy cooking. So a little music while cooking simple meals together, that's just fun for us. But it's not, like you said, may not be everybody's cup of tea. But if you do do that, the key is that planning ahead of time and having all the ingredients ready makes a big difference because Mm -hmm. then you're just, you know, ready to go for your date night instead of five o'clock and then you have to go get all the groceries. That would be frustrating for us. Uh, Something else that Ronnie and I were doing during a busy season of life when it was hard to plan ahead and fit in grocery shopping was to have meal kits delivered from Home Chef. Most of the ones we chose only took 20 to 30 minutes to prep. We enjoyed the convenience of picking the menu for the week, having everything we needed delivered right to our front door, and then being able to prep, cook, and eat everything, usually in under an hour. So that enabled us to continue doing something that we enjoy during a busy season of life and, and just save a, lo- a, a lot of time. So if you love the idea of cooking meals together, but you're in a busy season of life where planning and shopping for a meal would be a deal breaker, or if you're maybe in a rut of cooking the same meals all the time, this is a great way to branch out, try new things, and let someone else do the shopping. I will say that at first, Home Chef seemed a little pricey to me, but because Ronnie and I split everything, ordering two meals each week actually gave us four meals. So that turned out to be not as pricey as I thought it would be for us. Katie, you're the one that actually told me about Home Chef. Do you Mm -hmm. find that you can get two meals out of each kit for your whole family? Uh, No. Um, because we have a preteen boy eating with us and he eats enough for three or four grown adults. (laughs) Actually, more like six or eight grown adults if they eat the way that Ginger does. Uh, (laughs) But for my husband and me, though, the meals are reasonable and even help us with portion control. And I do agree, Ginger, that on occasion it can be fun to make and enjoy a really good meal together as a couple. I will say about the home chef thing, when Brian does the meal by himself, we have to double the prep time. Because, for, I mean, every time it says 40 minutes, it's like, it's forever for him. Now, why is he's that? he's usually I, the one who cooks them. Yeah, so I'm surprised. I'm surprised that he can't whip it up pretty quick because he's used to doing so much cooking. Yeah, but I just, I think if you're a chef or you cook 
really often you can quickly prep a lot of things, but we have just found, you know, chopping an onion and all the, all the little prep things. I would add some time to that. Maybe Mm. not Mm -hmm. double. I mean, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but yeah, it takes a little bit longer, but if you're doing it as a date, that's okay. That's right. That's right. And like you said, Katie, though, it's also good to get out of the house and do stuff together. One idea for that is to spend an evening going to three different restaurants, one for an appetizer, one for the main course, and one for the dessert. Ronnie and I recently did that when we were in Tennessee, and because we split everything, it wasn't terribly expensive. I do recommend, though, planning a little extra for tipping servers since you know, you're holding up their table and most servers are dependent on tips for income. So be sensitive to that. But that makes a really fun date night. Or if you're on a tight budget, another idea is just to simply pack a picnic and go to a park or go somewhere nice and just sit outside and eat that together. Um, There are lots of activities that you can do to nurture your marriage that don't involve spending much money, such as playing board games or cards instead of binge watching Netflix, because (laughs) doing activities together stimulates conversation as opposed to, you know, mindless vegging in front of the TV, which we're prone to do. I'm very guilty of that myself. So, Um, and you might even spice up game nights by having something the winner gets, like maybe a 30 minute foot rub or massage or an outing for the winner's favorite dessert. Okay, I don't mean to contradict all of your ideas, Ginger, but I think you are so much easier to date than I am. I think that's what we've discovered (laughs) here today. Poor Brian. Uh, Playing games together has actually backfired on many occasions, one I've already mentioned. I am a tad bit competitive, so there are a handful of games we've had to veto if we actually want to spend the evening together enjoying one another's company. (laughs) (laughs) Katie, maybe y'all should try puzzles. We have neighbors (laughs) who love doing puzzles together. They said it's therapeutic and that they have some of their best conversations around the puzzle table. They actually have a puzzle table set up all the time, so they always have one going. That's fun. That probably would be a safer bet for us, though I do vaguely remember one time in our marital history when one of us hid a piece from the other one so we could be the one to finish the puzzle. And honestly, I cannot remember if it was Brian or if it was me who did that. See, even puzzles can be competitive. (laughs) Oh, Katie, maybe you and Brian need to nix the games and puzzles Uh, all together. Y'all are going to wind up back in marriage counseling. That's exactly right. Or at least set some rules. You know, whoever hides the puzzle piece is a cheetah. That's right. Yeah. (laughs) Something else Ronnie and I did a few years ago was take dance lessons, which was actually a lot more fun than we thought it would be. We've also done sips and strokes where we painted a picture together. That's always fun. Neither of us is artsy. So thankfully, they have an instructor that gives step-by-step very simple instructions so no one has to leave in shame. Another idea that's on our bucket list is to take a cooking class together. And all that to say, just doing something new and fun out of the ordinary that you normally wouldn't do is just a, a great way to keep the relationship adventurous. It also says a lot when one spouse is willing to do activities that the other likes. Supporting one another's hobbies and interests by participating, even when it's not your cup of tea, can go a long way in nurturing your marriage. So husbands, you know, maybe be willing to take those dance lessons just because you know your wife will love doing that. And wives, be willing to go on that sporting event with your husband. And if you don't know the rules, ask him to explain them. And let me tell you something, if you do that, his eyes are going to light up when you're taking interest in something he loves. Or be willing to drive the golf cart and watch him play. Or better yet, ask him to give you golf lessons. Nothing says I love you more than taking interest in the things that they like, especially when they know that it's not your cup of tea and you're doing it just to be with them because you love them and you want to support something that they enjoy. 
All right, Katie, I think that's pretty much all of my ideas. What, what, what are some ideas that you have? Well, I'm more likely to want to go to a football game than dance lessons with my husband, but I get what you're saying. And being willing to sacrifice our own preferences and desires is what marriage and really the Christian life is all about. Mm -hmm. And, you know, maybe letting them place the last piece in a puzzle would be a good (laughs) move in marriage. (laughs) Probably. But in all seriousness, the most important thing that my husband and I do for nurturing our marriage is to pray together every single night before bed without fail, whether we're angry or if we're in different locations or we're exhausted, we pray. And by we, I mean, he prays over me usually because uh, there have been a few times when I have fallen asleep early Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I wake up to him quietly praying out loud beside me. Mm -hmm. So if I fall asleep first, he'll come and he won't wake me. He'll just, he'll pray in my Mm -hmm. ear. And I I tear up just thinking about it, Mm -hmm. but I cannot think of anything that has positively impacted our marriage more than that prayer time together. Mm, That doesn't surprise me at all. I love that. I don't think there is anything that will nurture a marriage more than praying together, like Mm -hmm. you said. It's the single most important thing couples can do because it helps us move ourselves out of the way Mm -hmm. and invites the Holy Spirit into the relationship. It's humbling to pray together because it requires that we take the focus off ourselves and onto Jesus. It moves us from prideful expectations of being served and treated the way that we think we deserve and Mm -hmm. on to serving Jesus, who calls us to sacrifice ourselves and serve others as a spiritual act of worship. Romans 12, 1 says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And that goes back to setting aside what we like to do and embracing what our spouses like to do. Sacrifice ourselves for the sake of serving someone else, that's also the mark of true friendship. We are first and foremost friends with our spouse. John 15, 13 says, greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. God established and ordained marriage to be the most intimate friendship we have. It's meant to be the closest bond of all. So close that in Galatians 2.24, we're told, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. You know, think about when you were dating and when you first got married, when your spouse was your best friend, when spending time together was a priority that came naturally, when doing things for them and serving them was something you wanted to do because making them happy brought joy to your heart. Think about when you didn't have to be intentional about having fun together. It just happened. If you're in a bad marriage or even a marriage that isn't necessarily bad, but it's just, you know, maybe become ho-hum, pray that the Lord would renew and redeem your love for one another. And if you pray that, be ready because God will call you to die to yourself, surrender to Jesus, and put the needs of your spouse above your own. Wise, when we love and serve our husbands, We're loving and serving Jesus, and that's the sort of behavior that not only honors God, but puts joy in our hearts, regardless of the behavior of our husbands. It's also the sort of behavior that can win them over to surrendering their own lives to Jesus if they haven't. You want to know the best way to nurture your marriage? Make Jesus Lord of your life. You want to know the best way to encourage your spouse to surrender their life to Jesus? 
Make Jesus Lord of yours. First Peter chapter 3, verses 1 and 2 talk about this very thing. Those verses say, Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. And husbands, the same goes for you winning your wives over with your behavior. Now, I do realize these verses are talking about an unbelieving spouse, but I've seen bad marriages were both spouses were believers, but where one spouse was persuaded to get right with God by the behavior of the other, which resulted in a better marriage. If your spouse is won over and you both are surrendered to Jesus, your marriage relationship will begin to improve. I mean, how could it not? When both sides surrender, the battle is over and there is peace. When husbands and wives love and serve Jesus well, they will love and serve one another well because they find their hope and strength in God. And God's love never fails. That's Psalm 136, verse 3. The bottom line is that when husbands and wives are both willing to empty themselves of themselves and be filled with the Holy Spirit, they will be led by the Spirit and empowered to put the needs and well-being of the other above their own, which in turn nurtures the marriage. When both are living by the power of the Holy Spirit, It's impossible to have a bad marriage. And so often that change begins with one spouse surrendering to God. When one is willing to make that change, commit to God and live the way he's called them to live, it often motivates the other to do the same. I have seen that time and time again. You know, Ginger, those verses you read from 1 Peter 3 about wives winning over their husbands, that was a verse that was true in my own marriage, according to my husband. And I didn't feel I took the most winsome approach during the most difficult parts of our marriage, but Brian has said time and time again that he experienced the forgiveness of God through my forgiveness of him. And that is a, now looking back on that, that is a really humbling and joyful thing to be a conduit of God's grace toward my husband. That's a privilege Mm -hmm. that I get to have. And speaking of hard times in marriage, Ginger, I do want to share what actually came into my mind when you said you wanted to do this episode, because there was a time in my life and in my marriage when I probably would have scoffed at an episode title like this, and even some of the content at the beginning of it. In the throes of our marital trials, I would have rolled my eyes and thought, okay, I'm going to play a board game with my husband and forget that I want to divorce him right now. Um, That'll fix everything. There was a time when suggestions like that might have felt shallow and insulting to what I was experiencing. And so listeners, if you haven't heard my personal testimony about my marriage, then head over to episodes 16 and 17. And those are parts one and two called When Marriage is Hard. Yes, absolutely. If you're in a bad place in your marriage, please go back and listen to Katie's testimony because she has definitely been there. And the means through which God changed Brian's heart and Katie's as well will give you so much hope. Again, those were episodes 16 and 17, parts one and two, entitled When Marriage is Hard. And as always, we'll have Heather put a link to those in the show notes. That's right. And I do want to encourage those of you who are listening who are in the middle of that, that really resonated with you. You're in the middle of a hard marriage. I encourage you not to dismiss the heart behind the practical encouragement in this episode. Date nights and fun dinners aren't the answer to the serious problems facing our marriages. The problem is that my spouse is a sinner who is married to me, an even bigger sinner. And that's the problem we all face. We are two sinners who are supposed to be one flesh in communion with a holy God. How is that even possible? 
And I think Ginger just hit on it. We nurture our marriages by sacrificing daily for the person we vowed to love until death separates us. We sacrifice the way Jesus did. And we can do that in the big moments in life, like choosing to forgive a wrong that has been done to us by our spouse, or choosing to set aside a personal preference in lieu of our spouse's wishes. But we also nurture our marriages in all the minor decisions we make throughout our days and our years together. Despite some really awful moments in my marriage, I believe that my husband could write a book on how to nurture a marriage with small gestures. He makes me water and coffee in the mornings just the way I like it. He makes sure our kids acknowledge me on special occasions like Mother's Day and Teacher Appreciation Day, even uh, since we homeschool. And he doesn't complain when I only choose to play word games with him because I know I can flat out dominate him at word (laughs) games. (laughs) Um, But as far as out blessing one another, I am getting my tail whooped in that department on a daily basis. (laughs) You hear that, Brian? (laughs) Competitive Katie says you won. That's right. And I do want to say one more thing that just came into my mind as we're talking about this, Ginger. One of the hardest things for me has been learning how to forgive and what that really looks like when we're years beyond the pain. And, you know, one way to nurture your marriage is, especially in moments of intimacy, when we, um, when I find myself in my mind going back to that hurt, going back to a place where I know I don't need to be going, I'm remembering a wrong that I've promised to forgive, mm-hmm. I pray. And mm-hmm. I just, I say, God, help me to see my husband the way you do mm-hmm. through Christ. Mm-hmm. So he is saved by grace through faith in Christ. And now he has taken on Christ. And I am no longer, I have no right to see him any way other than that. Um, So anyway, that's my encouragement to... That's good. And because when we're pursuing Jesus and wanting to be more like him and to love our spouses the way that he has called us to do... Um, that we're going to love them. We're going to strive to love them the way Jesus does. And he not only forgives, but the scripture says he casts those sins as far as the East is from the West. It's an intentional decision. God doesn't forget anything. He intentionally removes it from his mind. And that's what it takes. It takes prayer. It takes a lot of patience with ourselves and with our spouse. And um, that has been I believe one of the biggest changes in my own heart since going through biblical counseling, since going through what we did, is just making that conscious decision to pray every time I'm tempted to not forgive. Mm, So I know that games and date nights won't heal what is broken in any marriage, but as we accumulate these small, seemingly insignificant moments together, we can communicate to our spouse that we're willing to work to keep our marriages together and to enjoy each other in the process, all for the glory of God. It wouldn't do my husband a whole lot of good if I just begrudgingly said, okay, I guess I won't divorce you. And then we were miserable the rest of our marriage together and wouldn't do the things that we've talked about this episode, enjoying one another in the small things. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we tell our kids, obey all the way, right away, and with a happy heart. But how many of us are obedient to stay in our marriages, but dis disobedient in our attitudes toward our spouses. I know I've been there, but thanks be to God that I'm not there now. Well, that's right. And Katie, if we're being honest, we've all been there and we all Mm -hmm. have to depend on Jesus to have the mindset of Christ and to love our spouses the way that he's called us to. So I hope some of these ideas for nurturing your marriage have been helpful. I did find it interesting that most of the ideas you guys sent in involved food, but I guess that makes sense because who doesn't love to eat? 
That's exactly right. And it makes sense. Ginger, you and I have talked about this a lot, um, not during this episode, but in the past. But when we look at the example that Jesus set, this makes perfect sense. He spent so much of his ministry either going to a meal, coming from a meal, eating a meal, or reclining after a meal. Jesus is Mm-hmm. Awesome <laughs> for that. I mean, just what a wonderful <laughs> gift he gave us in that. And he probably loved to eat as much as any of us, but I know that what he loved the most, or rather who he loved the most, were the people at the table with him. Mm. Now is the part of our show where we give a quick tip for parents. Today's quick tip is courtesy of Christy in Ohio. And I think this one is perfect for a date night at Ginger's house. Christy says this, to peel garlic with no fuss, stick one clove in the microwave for eight seconds and it will pop right out of the peel. That's fascinating. If you have garlic smell in your hands, rub them on a stainless steel sink to get the smell out. Okay, but my question for Christy is, can we get the garlic smell off our breath if we lick the stainless steel sink? What do you think, Ginger? (laughs) Does that work? I don't know, Katie, but if you try, I'd like the video. I'll do that. I'll get right on that. (laughs) I actually have a quick tip to piggyback off Christie's as far as getting the garlic smell off our hands for those of us who don't have a stainless steel sink, and that's lemon juice. Works great. I did not know that. Mm Mm-hmm. Listeners, if you have a quick tip for our show, we would love to hear from you. It can be any random tip about cooking, housekeeping, something you do with your kids, ideas for fun date nights with your spouse, anything at all. We would love to share your ideas on the podcast. Just go to gingerhubbard.com slash quick tips to submit those. Well, Ginger, whether our listeners are in a season of great closeness in their marriages or whether the distance between them and their spouse seems great, can you please leave all of our listeners with a final word of encouragement? The key to having a good marriage is found in surrendering to Jesus, which inevitably will lead us to loving and serving one another. So let's get on our knees before the Lord and pray that God would purify our hearts and fill us with his spirit as we seek to nurture our marriages for his great glory. Thank you so much, Ginger, and thank you listeners for joining us today. If you enjoyed our show and want to hear more, please subscribe to our podcast wherever you're listening. And while you're there, could you take the time to leave us a rating or a review? This helps us get the word out about our podcast so that other parents can be encouraged to reach the hearts of their children. Do you have a parenting question? We invite you to submit it at gingerhubbard.com slash askginger, and we'll do our best to answer it in a future episode. And while you're on the website, you can find our show notes, which will include links to anything we mentioned in today's episode. Also on gingerhubbard.com, you can find Ginger's wonderful resources that will help you get to the heart of outward behavior and address it from a biblical perspective. Today, we're offering a 10% discount on her audio series called Reaching the Heart of Your Child. This is available in CD format or as a digital download. This three-session series is based on the content of Ginger's best-selling parenting book called Don't Make Me Count to Three, and it addresses topics like how to reach the heart of your child, how to give a biblical reproof, and the biblical use of the rod. The digital download is perfect for our international listeners because there are no shipping costs, and if you enter the code parenting at gingerhubbard.com, you can get 10% off that purchase. If you'd like daily encouragement and parenting advice from Ginger, be sure to follow her on Instagram at ginger.hubbard. And you can connect with me on Instagram at Katie in a Corner. That's K-A-T-Y in a Corner. 
Thank you so much for joining us today, listeners. We look forward to being with you again next week. Until then, may God bless you as you seek to reach the hearts of your children for the glory of God. And I know, listeners, all of this holiday discussion might seem like a tangent, but it does conveniently tie in really well with today's topic of nurturing our marriages. Marriages. <laughs> okay. I'm going to go a little up north today. I don't know. There you okay. go. Marriage. <laughs>